Welcome to In Scripture Podcast. We're so glad to have you with us while we dive into Scripture to dissect God's Word verse by verse. Listen with us and don't forget to leave any questions or feedback as you journey with us through His Word. Welcome, everybody. Welcome back to In Scripture Podcast. Today's going to be another... Uh, Kind of like a one-off episode, you can call. A little, a little different from the ordinary. Top, topical episode. Very topical. Uh, it's gonna be. I don't, it's not gonna be an interview. It's gonna be a discussion, kind of like a Q and A. But it's gonna be based on one topic, for example, for for the most part. Uh, today we're gonna be talking about uh, seminary, biblical college, and the pursuit of that. What is that? Why do we need it? Uh, what can one expect if they feel this is something that they're called to do? And all those questions. So today we have a special guest with us. Special guest, can you reintroduce yourself for like the fifth time? <laughs> yes. Uh, my name is Austin Wright. I am an assistant pastor at Laurel Baptist Church, and I'm so excited to be here today. Welcome. And uh, you went through seminary? I have, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Awesome. Uh, so I'm Good to know. All right. <laughs> thanks, <laughs> thanks for tuning in, everybody. <laughs> Let's pray. <laughs> um, so we're gonna just jump right into it today. Uh, no, no uh, conversations to begin with, but we're just gonna dive right into the topic because I personally am looking forward to this for my own personal. It's a good topic. Yeah, I wish interest. I wish I listened to this and heard about this earlier in my in my you know this Christian is, life. This is definitely something that we believe is kind of um, foreign in the Slavic community. Very uh, foreign, yeah. And so we decided that this might be some good information or uh, maybe even conviction for somebody to see if this is something for them. Yeah. Um, of course, I am eager to learn about this stuff myself. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, let's get into it. So, Austin, um, I guess just tell us, what is seminary? What's biblical college? Like, just what is that? So to talk about seminary and biblical college, we need to rewind for a minute to history. Mm-hmm. In Europe especially, and in the founding of the United States of America, there was a desire to train ministers for gospel preaching. There was a day when the most educated individual in a given community was the pastor of the local church. So he was not only gifted in the ability to rightly divide the word of truth, but he knew multiple languages. He was fluent in both Greek, Hebrew, Latin, other languages. He understood history, he understood politics, he understood quite a few things that the congregation would be able to come to him about. This was not to prop up the preacher as a godlike figure, but it was to help him see how Scripture influenced every area of life. So if we're to rightly divide the word of truth and preach that in a context of a local church in light of a community, the pastor was able to divide the word in such a way that the doctor and the lawyer and the community educator were able to gather the word in such a way that they'd be able to help shape the community around them. So when we're talking about seminary or biblical college, there are a few things that we want to bring up to just describe what they would be. It is a temporary track of education in a religious field. So let's say Bible, church history, languages, other things, in order that in by graduating, you'll be able to be an effective, educated minister of the gospel. Mm -hmm. So biblical college, we're talking more about a bachelor's degree, 
Uh, seminary is usually focused on the master's degree. Like undergrad, grad. Undergrad, grad, and then anything beyond that would be considered a doctorate or doctorate of ministry, PhD, which would be focused on original research, writing, teaching the next generation of uh, pastors and preachers. Now, uh, so what's, what's the purpose of a seminary on biblical college? You said it's part of kind of going into ministry, but right. I assume people will learn different skills or yes. theologies and whatnot, right? So you have different emphases that you can have, but the overarching goal of seminary is for everyone who's involved to walk out as a, an equipped minister of the gospel, understanding how to rightly divide the Word of God so you're able to correctly interpret a passage of Scripture in light of its context, grammatically, historically, you're able to, in most seminaries, trace back to the original languages if that's something that you've taken in the course, and you're also able to understand where we've come from in light of church history. You're also able to understand systematic theology and biblical theology and other aspects of biblical study. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's overarching. You're, you're put through a strenuous, in many cases, form of reading, writing, critical thinking, so that as you come out of the other end of it, you'll be someone who understands how to take Scripture into this world and apply it to every area of life. Now, is formal formal education, such as a Bible college or a seminary, is that required for every Christian to no. grow spiritually? No, uh, not at all. Uh, now, I want to qualify that by saying We are, as Christians, given the command to love the Lord our God with our heart, soul, and mind. So in everything that we do, our desire for life should be to love God with everything that he's given us. And the second commandment is likened to it, to love our neighbor as ourselves. So how we do that in the context of the mind is by investing ourselves in such a way that we're not after education for education's sake. Mm-hmm. Education is a wonderful tool, but it's a terrible savior. In fact, throughout history, some of the most educated individuals have brought some of the most harm into culture. Think of Nazi Germany. Mm-hmm. Most educated people in the history of the world at that time brought about totalitarianism in a way that harmed the world. So we won't want to say that education is a balm or a savior. It is rather a tool, and it's a, a very effective tool to be able to safeguard yourself from improper interpretation of Scripture, which is something I know Alex wants to talk about. It also helps you understand where you've come from and your roots so that you don't view yourself in an arrogant mindset as if you're the only Christian who's ever lived and you lived in a context without the thousands, 2,000 years of church history that's come before you. And you're also wanting to make sure that everything that you do is, is in the context of Scripture. So that's why you. Why would you go about it? Why would you consider doing it? Well, are there any avenues? Because I know college and seminary can be relatively expensive. Yes, and that varies in the different spectrum spectrum on depending on which seminary or college you go to. But what are maybe some other possibilities that someone can use to try to grow in their education, knowledge, spiritual growth aside from biblical college or seminary? Rarely would I recommend that someone jump into college or seminary. I would say that you need to start with your your own personal reading of Scripture. Mm-hmm. So your own personal time with the Lord is where these desires will flame and grow. So that's where you'd start. Are you reading the Bible now? Are you reading the Bible in context now? Do you have a study Bible that you can walk alongside the passage, and if you ever have questions, to go to and say, now, why did that commentator come to that conclusion? 
The second thing would be, are you reading your Bible in light of a local church? So you don't want some isolationist mindset of, it's me and my Bible. Yes, you are reading your Bible, but you're reading your Bible with other like-minded believers in the context of a local church, and they will be able to pour feedback into your life. Hey, I see this growing gift in you. I see a growing desire for understanding more of God's Word. There's a gifting that's coming to be by the gift of the Holy Spirit. So you're reading your Bible personally, you're invested, you're in a local church context, and the Holy Spirit of God is able to grow those desires in you. So I want to touch on that. It's... it's um it's awesome that we're kind of bringing that up is this is the main point also is your, your willingness and your wanting to go get a theological education really starts from, from your bedroom, wherever you read your Bible, you know, it starts from what you're doing and what you're involved in at church. What is your passion? And so, um, just, just like any pilot, you know, any mechanic, any, any, occupation out there a person it didn't just wake up one morning and say i'm gonna go be a pilot Mm. um sometimes you have parents relatives you know somebody in your family was a pilot and you spent some time with them you you tried it out you went flying and you're like i really like this i really like this so so now you are driven to pursue uh the that occupation to to go get educated about it because you have a passion for it um i think Bible is in no different in the way that you're you have to grow in passion of reading and studying the word but then again just like you brought up the church part of it if you are involved in church also um, and while you're studying and reading the scripture God is going to use you in different places and 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 kind of use use what you already know what you went through to um, to kind of affect others in that church and then from there, you'll see a passion inside of you growing like, hey, I want to know more so that I can do more. Mm. And so um, I think it, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's like a snowball effect, and it doesn't take overnight to do. It doesn't take months. Sometimes it takes a lot of time, a lot of years. You might go through you know, all your teenage years never even thinking about it until finally you get involved in something and you did something and you saw God's work in something, and you're like, wow, like I, I, could, I could be a useful tool in God's in uh, you know, in God's toolbox, as you could say, like God could use me for a lot of things, but I need to know where I'm coming from, what I believe. I need to be firm on what I believe, and so you'll just get like this inside drive to, um, um, because you are right. Like you, you, you kind of mentioned this. You, you really have to know how to read the Bible. So we, we, we learn that as we go, right? We, we go to Bible studies and youth. We have Bible studies with our families, with our friends. And so then we have our own alone time where we read God's word. Uh, we pray about certain things. We sometimes even get answers from God's word because that's God talking to us. But, th- but you have to also study the Bible. And this is the whole point of this podcast, really, from day one, is every book we read, every book we talk about, we study and try to understand every word. And so it is... I think it it does have to come within from within you. You have a drive for it. I don't think anybody goes to seminary because they want to make a career out of it. Hmm. it. It's very hard for me to understand that. I don't know you. You're way further into it, so you could probably touch on that a little bit. But does anybody go in with the mindset? Oh, I'm just going to be a pastor of a church. I'm gonna be the man. I'm making a lot of money. Like what? What's the drive? I don't think money is ever the drive. Would you agree? 
Well, ideally, yes, that would be the case. But in the American mindset, there is sometimes a level of, if I get to this certain point, then I'm owed this. Hmm. So if, if I get the MDiv, then a church should just roll over to, and be so thrilled that someone with my academic qualification would come and ask me to be their pastor. That can subtly grow in the heart of someone who is learning more and more and more. Hmm. Because when you go to seminary or you're taking classes, you are most likely hearing things for the first time. Mm-hmm. You're, you're hungry in such a way that you grow at a fast rate in what your mind is able to take in. Things that you would have heard from your Bible reading, you're able to make connections that you've never made before, theological paradigms that you may have never understood before but now are making sense. You're growing so fast in one area, the rest of your spiritual life has to catch up with that. So one of the the funny things about a seminary student that's always the joke is they come home from their first or second year with a huge head, right? And it's like they, they're an egghead. Guess what I know. Right, yeah. That, <laughs> I, and, then, and then the joke is that they come back from their second year of seminary with all these ideas that their pastor who's been doing this for 30 years mm-hmm. needs to do. And what every seminary student needs to be reminded of is humility. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were in First John on Sunday and just being reminded that John was writing to believers because they had been forgiven their sins for Jesus' namesake. We are not in the kingdom of Christ because of our knowledge or our, our capacity to learn. We are in the kingdom of Christ because Jesus shed his blood for us and he sent the gospel through his Holy Spirit by his word that we might be brought from death to life. Mm-hmm. So if we've been given any good thing, any gift, we won't boast in that gift but boast in Christ. So seminary, if it's to be used properly, can't be an end in and of itself. It has to be a something that you lay at the throne of God and say, Lord, would you use this in my life to make me a, a more fit servant, that I might rightly divide your word and be an encouragement to the body of Christ. If you go into a seminary with any other purpose other than, Lord, I want to serve you with my life, I want to grow an understanding of your word, that I can be a blessing to others, and that I can love you more. If you go... If you go at it with another mindset, the temptation will be to grow in pride, to grow in criticism of others, as well as just to become someone that no one enjoys being around. Yeah, and I think one thing I did see in my Christian life so far is people who had extreme views that they've been to different churches and those churches didn't agree. Mm. So they went, got their education done, to be qualified to be called a pastor, and they took those extreme views with them. Yeah, and I'm I'm talking about you know there's there's a lot of extremes out there. There's plenty of churches that call themselves Baptist churches, but are just they're just speaking things out of that pulpit, which you're like, wow, you know, right. where is this guy getting this from? And and so I've seen that I've right. seen that people people will go and get this done to be a leader because they got views that they want others to... It's like a, almost like a cult. Right. And so um, it, there's those people too. <laughs> is, and this might be a myth, but this is something that's definitely heard. Um, and I, I honestly personally could not find any evidence of this, at least from the universities or colleges that I've tried to find that can at least one that can support this besides the one that I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. 
is there any colleges or seminaries that ordain you at your graduation or during your stay at that seminary before you're even accepted by any church as a pastor or anything like that? A lot of that would come down to which denomination you find yourself a part of. And off the top of my head, I know there have been some ordinations that are done through some Presbyterian contexts that are in conjunction with your seminary, mm-hmm. but it's not through the seminary alone. It would be in conjunction with the Presbytery. So in a Baptist with, context... With your local church. With Well, in a Presbyterian context, it would be with a, a regional, uh-huh. and, and then with your local church specifically. But in a Baptist context, you graduate with a degree. Mm-hmm. So if you either go through a Baptistic college, like a uh, Master's University, Liberty University, uh, others like that, or a Southern Baptist context, Midwestern, Southern Seminary, Southeastern, each of those, you only graduate with a degree. You don't graduate with an ordination because local churches call pastors. Seminaries don't call pastors. Seminaries are tools that local churches can use to sharpen future ministers and other Christian callings in education mm-hmm. that many local churches just aren't equipped currently to do. Okay, because I know that was one kind of like negative uh, viewpoint that at least though I heard people say from the pulpits about going into seminary and everything that they ordain you right then and there at the school um, and then you kind of go and pick a church, whichever you want to serve, and the church just kind of accepts you. But you're saying that actually it's the opposite. The church picks you, and the church actually does the laying of the hands and ordains you in the normal Baptist setting. In a normal context, yeah. yes. Sem- seminary would be more of an initial, oh, this guy has been through training. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to call a youth pastor or an assistant pastor or, or even a senior pastor to see that that individual has put time and effort into learning how to be a servant of the Lord in a, in a way that is tangibly understood. Mm-hmm. He's been through at least four or more years of biblical training. So that's one myth we can probably debunk as well is the fact that people trying to go into seminary just to get ordained won't necessarily happen. Right. And not, I would even say a majority, or at least some majority, of seminary degrees aren't all pastorally related. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So some seminary or even Bible college tracks are Missions, not, right? yeah, are not necessarily, I, I believe before God I must be a senior pastor in four years and you're 22 and you graduate and you believe you should be in a church. No, it's really more about training in a specific way so that you can use those tools in however the Lord places you in ministry. Mm-hmm. So a seminary never claims if you take our degree, the Lord will necessarily place you in pastoral ministry. Mm-hmm. But while you are here, our desire is to help train you and give you skills and tools to be able to use those wherever the Lord takes you, on the mission field, in the workplace, in your neighborhood, in your family, in your local church. Now, I do. Um, I came across this church called Universal Life Church, which I mentioned to you guys just before recording. But this church... Um, is about, I don't know if you can even call it a church, really. It's probably just more of a very false teaching organization. But they their main thing is training and online ordination. But it seems like it's just the ordination from a legal government-type perspective, not with the spiritual sense. Right. Um, and for the, their biggest target audience kind of or, you know, target client is ordinating people so they can do weddings and funerals. That's like all over their website. And they have different people on there, like 
Richard Bronson, The Rock, Lady Gaga, apparently he's <laughs> ordained by them. And <laughs> so like that already like raises a lot of questions for me. And then I kept looking about who they are and everything. And they're really kind of like coexist type organization and pretty much saying like you pick your own spiritual path and we'll just support you in it. They're pro homosexuality. So it's a business. But it's free. Oh. You get free <laughs> ordination. That's the thing. I'm like, how are these people even like, you know, and so, but the fact is like, that's not something that is biblical to get right. something like that, right? Yeah. Because I understand there's a government kind of ordination for legal purposes and then there's a spiritual ordination that kind of comes from the local, through the local church, through the laying of the hands. Right. And I know a lot of people kind of try to pursue that by thinking they can just get that from seminary, but we just discussed that that's not the case. If your friend just really wants you to do their wedding, just say no. Yeah. You know, don't go online and get some crazy ordination because we're going to take the things of the Lord seriously. Mm -hmm. Um, If the Lord has called you into ministry and your local church pastor's recognize that and agree that you are biblically qualified and that you are you have the desire and the gift then let them help you in that Mm -hmm. don't go online try and get some crazy ordination just so you can do what you want to do no follow the scriptural model and express your desire and let your church family pour back into that so uh just to move on the conversation we kind of briefly talked to some of this yeah. already but how does one know if they're called to ministry and that they should pursue a formal education mm. how do they make that decision or how do they know that this is something that god wants them to do first i would say there's a desire if a if a man desires the office of an elder he desires a good thing it starts with god doing this work in in your own heart and he typically does that work in light of a healthy context or an unhealthy context. So in a healthy context, if let me speak to the young men first. Uh, if you're a young man and you listen to the, the word preached faithfully and there's a hunger in your heart to do that, that's a first step that would signify, oh, it's likely that I have a desire to be involved in this form of ministry. That doesn't mean that you are self-qualified. It means there is a desire there. If there's a desire, that's a good thing. Young ladies, it might be a desire you want to grow in your understanding of Scripture so that you can teach other ladies as well as raise your family in a context where they know more of of Scripture in the right way. Uh, May we not emphasize seminary and Bible college for the young men at the expense of the ladies, because the ladies are doing so much in the training of the home as well as nurturing and, and providing in the home We want our kids and we want all of our church members to grow in their understanding of Scripture. Our our wives and our sisters and our daughters should know how to rightly divide the Word. Now, we understand biblically that that office of elder is prohibited from them, but that does not mean they shouldn't be equipped Mm -hmm. to accurately handle Scripture. Yeah, because Scripture actually instructs the women to, or the widows to teach the younger women and, and all of that. Yeah. So there's definitely some accountability in that part, but like there was this was another question I was going to ask you is like is this only for the men and the young men or can seminary Bible college technically be for both men and women? So in some seminaries there is a what's called a pastoral track. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe so every seminary has a slightly different view and they would say this in their admission requirements. 
I'm of the personal persuasion that there are some MDivs that fit well with what a woman is qualified to do. But I would all I would say there are some MDivs that are not uh, inclined with what a woman right. would be able to For do. A person that doesn't know what an MDiv is. Okay, yeah, I'm sorry. It's a Master <laughs> of Divinity, so beyond your four-year degree, it's an, an extra, typically a three-year intensive uh, program that's streamlined is basically the the pastor's master's mm -hmm. degree. So Master's of Divinity. Yeah, Master okay. of Divinity. Um, but I would say overall, what a master's or even a Bible college degree is training you for is not necessarily pastoral ministry exclusively, but word ministry. Mm -hmm. And men and women are both qualified before God to do word ministry. Mm -hmm. The distinction would be in the office of elder and the the preaching of the gospel before a congregation. Like in a corporate worship right. setting. Right. Yep. So I don't believe it'd be biblical for a woman to be trained to do that in the context of a pastoral office. Right. But to be trained on how to teach the Bible and rightly divide it and uh, use the Bible in such a way that helps other ladies is a wonderful thing, and it's something we should encourage. Mm -hmm. um, let me respond to you. You said you asked about the men and ladies. What was the, the first question that you were wanting to trace? Um, how does one know if they are called to ministry? Yes. So I'm uh, sorry. For, I'm to, sorry. <laughs> how, how does one know that they are called to ministry to go into a formal education, I guess you could say? Yeah, I got off on a little rabbit trail there, but this starts with a desire. Right. And then the affirmation of your local church, typically through the pastors or elders or, or deacons, depending on how your church is structured. But it's you don't self-proclaim yourself. So I, you, you can say, I have this desire, and there's a growing desire in me to do this. Going to education is different than saying, I'm, I must be a pastor. Mm -hmm. So you can, you can go into a Bible college or seminary without <laughs> the formal written letter from your uh, local church. But what I would say is wise is to go to them and say, hey, this desire's there. I'd like to learn more about these things and grow. Um, most likely they're going to say, I love that this desire's there. Here's what I see. This could be wise. Here's some seminaries that I'd recommend. Here's some ways that you can look at that. And I would always bring your church leaders into the context of that decision just so they can help guide you as you're trying to decide where to go and how to study and at what rate you should study. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, Alex, do you have any questions before I move on? Um, no, but but I'd, I'd want to say desire is a big thing. Mm. Um, you don't, like you said, it's it's not always a personal thing. You have to approach other avenues and, and see, like ask around and ask who's going to support you, mm. um, especially if you're going in and you're still living with your parents. You don't know what you're, you know, you, you think you want to go into th theological education and, and training. Um, you have to, to speak with your parents and be like, hey, I have a longing for God's word. I want to learn it. Same, go to your pastor. Hey, I, I have a, a longing for God's word. I want to learn it. So it, you have to kind of talk to others and and really you have to pray. Mm. You have to pray a lot um, because God's not going to hide anything from you. If he has a plan for you and you want to know more about the plan, he's going to guide you and direct you. Everything he expects from you, he's going to give you all the resources you need. Um, we sometimes limit, we sometimes tend to limit God to our own resources, our own understanding and what, okay, I don't have this, so maybe it won't work or uh, I'm too old or, or this or that. 
what is that to God, right? Right. So if you have, if your heart is pulling you towards that, you feel you feel the Holy Spirit calling you towards something. Just go, and God's gonna take care of you. And yeah, it sounds easy. It sounds very easy. I mean, you tell that you know to an eighteen-year-old, he's gonna be like, oh. but, but that's the reality. It is the truth. If you if you think it's God's will for you to go, He will support you. Um, but if it's not His will, He'll let you know that too. I believe um, you'll know that pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Um, I just about that. I want to say that. Uh, you shouldn't just listen to your local church congregation or pastor in terms of this, if this is really God's will or not, listen to your family. Right. Um, they will be the ones that are probably most honest to you about it. Uh, especially if you're married, listen to your spouse because God does speak through your spouse to you as well. And that goes both ways. So that's something I've learned recently in my marriage is the fact that, you know, how often does God speak through my spouse? And sometimes I tend to ignore it because it doesn't necessarily align with what I personally want, but mm-hmm. Um, it's a very diff- it's a very eye-opening kind of um, truth that God can speak through your spouse, whether she's supporting you in this decision or telling you in a different perspective or telling, no, this is not right now, at least not the time or maybe later. I, um, we, I read a book, and Serge, I think you read it too. You might have read it too, A Call to Preach, Steve Lawson. So it's mostly focused on preaching and the calling for it and how to get ready, how to prepare, how to know that's your calling. But he does early in the book go over some points of, what was the last time as a Christian you have successfully showed Christ to somebody and um, God saved them, right? They had salvation. And and it's not for, you know, I got like this chart where I'm keeping tabs on, you know, how much I'm doing. And not in that regard. Do you remember ever actually helping somebody get saved? If you do, if you have had that, how did you feel after that? Where did you have a? Because there's different feelings. You could feel pride, which is incorrect. You shouldn't feel pride about bringing you. Um, that way, you're you know you're kind of putting yourself up there. Or did you feel like this is amazing? Mm-hmm. I want to do this for God. Mm-hmm. I want to bring others to God to grow the church to um, just grow the family, right? Bring people to Christ. You'll feel that. You'll you'll feel that. You'll know that, and that's what's going to drive you. And that's kind of lean more towards preaching. Um, but I think we could relate that to even thinking of whether I do want to go to a seminary or go to a, a college. Um, why do I want to learn more? Do I want to learn more, just like you mentioned earlier? Is it to serve the Lord? Um, and, and I wanted to say one one last thing. Not probably not last thing, but I wanted to also say, would it be correct to think I'm? you're not doing this for yourself, you're doing this for others? Right. Would that be a right mindset kind of to... to because that's how I kind of see it. It's it's both because through that rigorous study and the critical thinking and the writing and the reading, you become someone different than you were when you first started. Mm-hmm. You're the same person, but you've changed and you've grown. You've interacted with something you've never read before or uh, came across principles that you believe, but you believe them with greater veracity now. But it's so that you might be a blessing to somebody else. Right. So you never know how that book you're reading in light of Scripture, that the Lord will use that to encourage somebody else, or how he'll open your eyes to the culture around you and let you see a way that uh, a certain belief that the culture holds is something that you can address with clarity because of what you've studied. 
Um, overall, I'd say that going through a seminary route is really about becoming a better reader, critical thinker, a writer, and a speaker. Those are the four things that a good degree will help you with. And a, a degree is really supposed to help you cultivate a love for learning. A university, as C.S. Lewis said, is a, is a place for the pursuit of learning. So when you go through a Bible college or a seminary, you're given a starter kit. Mm-hmm. That's basically what a seminary is. Is that For the rest of your life, you will be a reader of God's Word, and you will be a student of God's Word, and you will be someone who dives deep into God's Word. And here are some practical tools that you can put in your toolbox to be able to do that for the rest of your life. And if you don't have a love for learning through it, then you just got a degree. Because it's scientifically proven that if you don't use a skill or a knowledge within two years of having learned it, you'll forget it. Mm -hmm. So by the time you get through your seminary degree, if you're not using those tools and exercising them, you'll lose it. Mm -hmm. Um, So at the end of the day, it's really about a lifetime of pursuing God. That's what we're here to do, to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. You don't have to feel like God's called you to be a pastor to go to seminary or to take a degree. There are also so many resources available online that are great starter packages before you even consider going. I know Masters University, the Institute for Church Leadership. Yeah, they they have all these courses available for free on YouTube, as well as the institute uh, that you mentioned. Yeah, you could take a class for 70 bucks. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and that's... Eight-week class. Mm -hmm. And that'll show you whether or not it's something you really want to continue in. Mm-hmm. I would say the financial other side of it is one we haven't talked about yet, and that's something you really have to consider. Is this something that would just be nice to do, or do you feel like the Lord has led you to this and you can't do anything else? Mm-hmm. Um, and then you got to consider your family, your spouse, your situation in life, your current mm-hmm. calling. All of those things will be implicated by the decision that you have to make about whether or not it's the next step for you. I have heard Stephen Lawson say this, though. If the Lord has called you to ministry, he's called. You, he's opened the doors. He will also has called you to prepare. Yep. So that doesn't mean for everybody that you will go to formal seminary, but it does mean that that should be something you deeply pray about and consider. Um, so that's where I would say is keep that in mind. Now, we've talked about feedback from your family and from the church and your elders. So this kind of brings the next question is, how do you choose the right college or seminary? Mm. What are some of the things that one should look out for? First I think of, we can include fin- finances in that yeah. too, because there's so much out there. <laughs> there are a number of options, and some of them will just simply be out of your price range. A couple other things would be, are you in a situation where you are able or willing to move to go to that seminary? Or is this something that you'd like to do remote or online in the current context in which you live? Those will all play a role in it. The third thing would be, what does the seminary confess in their doctrinal statement? So what do they confess? Do do the beliefs that you hold line up with where that seminary is? And I'm talking about essential beliefs. You will interact with differing tertiary beliefs in almost any seminary that you go to. but are the main things, the inspiration of Scripture, uh, the nature of God, and how you'll study those things, are those lined up in a way that you can trust? And then, is the seminary reputable? Are there people in your life who have been down that road who could say, no, this is a place that you can trust, this is academically sound, the confession of faith they hold to is legitimate, and you'll enjoy and grow through what you're going to learn there. 
you want to watch out for what are red flags? That's what I was okay. Asking. Yeah, some some red flags would be uh, if you're gonna go this this was a big discussion a number of years ago, but accreditation. If you're gonna spend the time and the money to get a degree, get one that's gone through the accreditation process. Uh, accreditation is basically if you're not familiar with it, it's an external board doing an audit on that seminary or college, saying they've met the standards of requirements. To, be, to give you what they say they're going to be giving you. So by the time that you graduate in four years or two years or three years, there are learning outcomes that they post that you should know. We've said, yes, they will indeed be giving you those things. It also helps you know that the people who are teaching those courses are qualified to do so. You want to watch out for a seminary where all the faculty has honorary doctorates <laughs> uh, because that what that's going to show you is they have not gone through the process necessary to be able to pour back into you. Uh, again, Paul Washer has put it this way. One of the responsibilities as a Christian, even in the local church, is to take what the Lord has given to you and pour that into the lives of the people around you. So if you are planning to go to seminary or Bible college and you want to go to a place where you're going to learn God's word effectively, go to a place that has the right qualifications to do it, that's gone through the proper procedures to give you what they say they're going to give you. Watch out for the financial trap. Don't undergo something that you don't believe you can responsibly afford. Do not go into debt for this. Uh, if the Lord is calling you to do it, he will provide for you to do it yep. responsibly. Yep. Uh, so don't, don't take out $60,000, of, of loans just to try and get through this. Most likely, in your field of ministry, you will not be making enough to be able to pay those loans off for a number of years. So let that financial aspect be a matter of prayer and consideration as you get counsel about it. The big thing for me, though, is doctrine. So, so important. There are countless seminaries out there today who've compromised on the essentials. So in what you're going to do, you want to find some seminaries that are trusted theologically. You may not initially agree with everything that that seminary believes or that every professor on that staff believes, but you want a trusted seminary that confessionally holds to a doctrinal statement that you can say, every professor believes this. Uh, one of the seminaries that I highly, highly respect has each one of the professors sign in a ceremony what's called the abstract of principles, which means that they will do nothing while a professor of that seminar seminary that would teach anything in opposition to what's on that document. Mm -hmm. So they hold every professor accountable to that. Uh, and I think that's a, a very wise thing to do. So consider the qualifications of the seminary, the financial aspect of it, study that doctrinal statement um, with everything you've got, and then get counsel on it, trusted people. If, you, if you're completely new to this field, you need to find someone you can trust to talk to about it uh, and figure out what best context would be good for you. And at the end of the day, it's sad to say, but you do get what you pay for. Mm. Um, I think before I started my education, we spoke, I spoke with you and I was like, Hey, so I have all these options. Why is this school $70 mm -hmm. or whatever the price was per learning hour, however they calculate it. And this other one is double or triple the amount of that. Mm -hmm. And what are we looking at here? Because you're going to have to do research. This yeah. is this, 
just like going to any college, right? You got your divisions, right? You're going into something with sports. You got your D1 school, D2, D3. You, you really have to see where you get accepted, where you can qualify, why you want to go to a school. Um, same with same with a seminary or any other theological school. You have to you have to do some research. Um, one thing you you kind of zoomed over a little bit. I wanted to kind of add. Um, also, who came out of that school was that's actually one point you told me too. Mm-hmm. Who came out of that school? If you if you look at that school, um, if nobody ever came out of it that really kind of like made an impact to where I don't want to say every every person every school you got to go to somebody famous or somebody like a, a John MacArthur had to come out of there, right? Uh, but at the same time, it's like who are some of the names that came out of there and what are they doing now? Um, because that'll actually tell you like this is a good good solid school. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's another thing to look for. There's a lot of there's a lot of options out, but I, I love the fact that you said, don't go into debt for this. Or or if you do, I don't think it's hard not to today. Right. But but be smart about it. Yeah. Be wise about it. I, I do a hundred percent agree. God will provide for a way for you to pay. Mm-hmm. And um, while we're on the topic of fi- finances. So do, there is schools out there that'll make you do stuff to help you pay for tuition. Is that is that correct? That's true. There are scholarships you can apply for. There are tuition work programs, work assistance programs, where you can work on their staff and have tuition money paid off. Um, there are school loans available. So I don't I don't want to say that it's ungodly or unbiblical to ever take out a school loan. Yeah my comment hopefully would be taken as just be very careful and responsible about how you do that. Um, and then there's also some seminaries that offer discounts based on the current church that you're you're in. So in, within the Southern Baptist Convention, if you're a member of a Southern Baptist church, all those main flagship seminaries would offer you a tuition discount by being a member of a Southern Baptist church. So that's something to consider too. When you ask, I would say if you're if there are three seminaries that you're interested in or Bible colleges or whatever, talk to an admissions advisor. Talk to them, ask them all your questions. Maybe write down 10, 9 to ten questions and then ask them to each one of those admissions advisors and just see what they say, see what conversations come out of that. And you may walk away saying, Oh, I found the one that's the perfect fit for me. And it may not be the one you thought of when you first started the research process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I think I was worried like before I started like I'm 30 years old yeah. all right so <laughs> I've 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 gone through some some sort of career education where I have a career out of what I have now um and then I've had a longing for to go to go to to go get theological education and everybody asks me the same thing I ask myself why mm. why now where were you earlier and so there was there was speed bumps and curbs I had to go over. Um, and and I just want to touch on this. Me personally, I actually had more excuses to why I don't want to do it mm-hmm. than this is going to work. I had a lot of doubt. But something stronger inside of me is driving me towards... I, I feel like God's driving me and saying, look, I'll take care of it. You just mm-hmm. You just do your part. Just continue in what you're doing. And that was, it sounds very easy, just like I said earlier, but it is, it is, it is a faith. It is a lot of faith. You have to literally say, God, I'm going to try this and I know that you're going to support me. Mm -hmm. And so 
it did take a lot of time of like, man, I, I'm not, not the time, not the time. I can think of a hundred excuses why it's not the time right now. Uh, but, but God thinks otherwise. Right. And so just, just keep that in mind too. Like if you're, if you're a, if you're a younger age, you're straight out of high school, you do have a lot more opportunity. There is actually a lot less excuses for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you, if you do your research, you can go to a school you can work for the school. They'll pay for your education. You you can get your way where you come out owing zero money and you spent all this time growing. Um, but there's also an avenue where you're now older, you have a family, you have a different career, and you're doing something you know a little slower paced. But at the end of the day, regardless of where you are, if, if God's calling you for it, he's going to provide 100%. Hmm. Don't even worry about it. So I do want to get to the point uh, later on. I just have like maybe about two, three more questions where I don't know, Austin, if you could share your experience mm. going into picking out, going into seminary, how you felt that that was the thing for you to do versus and where you are now with that and yeah. how that has helped you. And then I guess you, Alex, as well, being 30, because you did it young. Fairly, yeah. Fairly. Whereas you, like like me, we're both 30, have families that are growing, have already established careers, and yet you just started... Bible college, yeah. and this is something that I'm considering for myself and hopefully in the near future as well. Yeah. So, uh, but before we get to that, just a few more questions for you, Austin. So when someone finally chooses the college or seminary that they want to go to and they commit, they enroll, they get accepted and everything, mm-hmm. what are some of the things that they should expect going into this um, in terms of, um, I don't know, in terms of how much time they need to put into it, how much... Uh, what they should or should not be involved in in terms of your local church, career-wise, um, anything along those lines. I mean, we already touched on the financial aspects, but that's kind of, I don't think that's that much different than any other college, university that's, you know, any secular or whatnot, whatever the fact may be. But right. what are some things that a person can expect from a family perspective, a church perspective, a time management perspective, uh, in terms of workload perspective from the university itself or anything? Time management is going to be the number one thing that you need to master if you're doing anything else while also doing a degree. The further up you get in the the height of the degree, so bachelor's, master's, D-min, PhD, they're all going to have different workloads. So you're going to need to find out in your own personal ability, are you a fast reader? Are you someone who, who can write well? Uh, it's going to take you a little while to figure out how much time you need to put into your projects. But there's a little book called Productivity by Douglas Wilson where he talks about breaking up every individual big assignment into small, manageable tasks. So you might read 15 pages a day. Well, you don't realize over time that multiplies. And it could be 15 minutes that you would normally have been on your phone going through social media, but now you're reading a book. And you, you break down these things into little manageable chunks once you get your assignment. So if you know 16 weeks from now, I'm going to have this do, this do, this book, it needs to be read. Spend your time at the beginning. Spend a good four hours going through that whole schedule and break that paper down. I'm going to write two pages by this date. I'm going to research this point by that date. And you're able to manage your time in a way that you've done all the main work up front and then you just go piece by piece to get it done. Um, Every degree is going to have a different level of difficulty and a different level of assignment, but I would allow at least an hour a day 
of the main working week, if not more, depending on what how many classes you're taking. When I was doing my Master of Divinity, I was also in ministry at the same time, so I limited the number of classes that I took to two or three per semester. So I wasn't overloading myself. I just did two or three classes, and I broke down those assignments just like I said, and it took me a little bit longer to get that degree done, but remember, it's not a race. Mm -hmm. It's a journey. And I saw the Lord use what I was learning in each class in every semester in something in church life and ministry, which was really affirming in the fact that I was learning and being able to use those skills at the same time. So it's, that's what's been amazing to me about the process is as you are learning, as you are growing, the Lord is the one who uses the gifts that you've been given and the gifts that he's currently giving you in that class to help you to be able to to use those in local church ministry. So if you are a husband and a father or a wife and a mother, you have to take that into consideration too. Uh, you may have to talk to your spouse about how you're going to manage your time differently than you currently are. It's just a, it has to get done. There's no convenient time for these things to, to be done unless you're single and on your own and somehow have been given lots of money. <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, it's going to be a sacrifice in some ways. Don't sacrifice your local church over it. Sacrifice your Netflix watching, sacrifice your current entertainment intake, but don't sacrifice your local church involvement unless you've just been so, so involved in your local church that you're there every night or you're there every other night. Understand the context. I was just going to say, because coming from a Slavic community, you know, being involved in church ministries at a young age is like a strong kind of, I don't want to say a point, but it's kind of... It's it's part of who we are, right? <laughs> as yeah. So, like people in their late teens, early twenties, are heavily involved in ministries. Yeah, most of them are in both Sunday school and Awana mm-hmm. and youth choir and orchestra or band and something else. Um, so they usually carry two, three, if not even four ministries. And I remember I was like that myself. I was involved in so many things at a young age before I got married. Obviously, when I got married, things changed a little bit. Right. Um, but when you say don't sacrifice your local church, you just kind of briefly touched upon it. Like, how much involvement should you actually limit yourself if you're considering to go into a formal education? Similarly to when you got married, things changed. If this is something you believe God's called you to do for this season of your life, then things will change in your involvement with your local church. So what I meant what I meant by don't sacrifice your local church is oh, I'm going to skip Sunday morning going to church today because I've got a paper due on Monday. That's something you should not do. Mm-hmm. Or I'm 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 no longer going to be involved in any ministry in the local church because I'm getting my degree. No, in fact, that's going to be a harmful thing to your studies because your studies and your involvement in the local church need to dovetail together. Because it's as your mind is growing, you need to still be involved with God's people. But what I would say to someone who's involved in four or five ministries is you can scale back. You're not serving the Lord in that local church ministry in order to please him for salvation. You're working from an identity of being pleased of God being pleased in Christ. So talk to your ministry leaders and say, hey, I'm about to go through a season of um, studies, and I'd at least like to take one semester to figure out my own time management. And maybe once that semester is passed, you'll know more of what you can handle and you can add some more. But just 
talk through with your family and what needs to be done. There are some ministries that you're involved in because you've been involved with them for years, but there could be someone else who wants to be in the ministry that you're currently in that you can help them get into that position while you're working on this degree. So, so a few other things to one can probably expect, I assume, a lot of reading, books, not just the Bible. Right. Writing papers. Yes. All that, anything else? If yes. you thought reading the Bible took a lot of your time or if you've ever complained about it, well, you definitely will learn to love to read. <laughs> right. Because you can't put the Bible aside right. when you start your training. You're, you're not saying, oh, Bible, sorry, I got... I got book reports due. Mm -mm. Right. You have to still your book reports both. flow out of what you're already reading in your Bible. Yeah. Um, so you, yes, you will do a lot more reading, but it's so manageable if you divide it up. If you have, let's say you're taking three classes in a, in a semester and you get the full list of books, what I do is I go through every single book and write down the total number of pages in each one of those books. And then what I do is figure out the dates that those books need to be read by, and I divide those page numbers in five-day increments. Mm -hmm. So I've got the weekends where I'm not even planning on doing any academic reading, but that also gives me flexibility. If I wasn't able to get the page number amount read by that day, I can do some on Saturday. But it's time management. Mm -hmm. um, you can do it. If you break it up into those chunks, it may be 20 pages of reading per day. And really, that's not a lot. Mm -hmm. You can read 20 pages of a book typically in about 20 to 30 minutes. That's one show on Netflix. Mm -hmm. That's one episode of The Office. You know, so you can replace that and you're doing your reading every single day and you're working toward it. Writing, it'll take you a little more time to get used to the format, but seminaries and colleges are doing such a better job at giving templates and available resources to help you format your paper. They have resources on site where you can talk to somebody, you can talk to a TA, which is someone who helps the professor on an online class help you format things and learn how to do that. It's a learning curve, but once you learn those initial things, it's like clockwork, mm -hmm. and you're able to get it down and work through. So we already talked about some of the things you might have to give up. Mm -hmm. um, is there any sacrifices that one should expect that they need to make in order to make this a reality or be able to finish this formal education and going through it, any sacrifices that they should be aware of. I mean, we already mentioned the obvious, right? Screen time, social media time, maybe scaling back on your ministry involvement, but is there anything else? Finances has been the big one for me. There are trips that I've not gone on mm -hmm. because I'm taking classes. Mm -hmm. There are purchases I've not made because I'm taking classes. And schooling is not cheap. When you see the amount that you are spending on it, even if you're in an affordable environment, it's still a good chunk of financial investment, especially for that time. So if you are in a, in a marriage relationship, you and your spouse need to be on the same page about that. You need to pray about that, to, that together. You also need to be wise with your own financial planning. That, I, I say finances because that is the most outstanding one. Your time will be the other. Uh, you will, you'll have to invest time into it. Uh, and it will, if an education is you will get out of that education what you put into that education. So you can speed through the books. You can do a paper, a book rep report overnight and submit that last minute, and you'll find that you're not really getting what you could be getting out of it. Mm -hmm. You want to be able to digest the information, think about it, talk with your friends about it. You want to have the experience of seeing you yourself love learning mm -hmm. because you want to learn more about God you want to help other people. It really is an exercise of growing in your ability to see how God has created you to know Him and to enjoy Him forever. 
and he has placed things in this world, truth, beauty, and, and you want to learn more about those things as you are, are growing in that. So you will sacrifice finances. It will be a sacrifice of time. In some cases, it will be a sacrifice of uh, career moves. There, there might be a promotion that you can't take right away because you, you want to devote some extra time to this. And every situation is going to be slightly different. It may, be, it may involve you sacrificing where you currently live. All those things are a part of it. So you have to take those into consideration. And ultimately, pray, 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 get counsel. And once the Lord gives you direction, move forward in faith and know that he's going to be the one that upholds you through that whole process. Amen. One last question before, um, just to get a little of your background experience or your own experience going through seminary or Bible college. How has or can a formal education change your Christian life, your spiritual growth, or even your outlook on Christianity? Mm. What kind of effect can that have on a person? Um, You can, I guess, share from your own personal experience or just hypothetically speaking. And Alex, you can chime in too since you're kind of um, just getting into this as well. It's made me someone who is quick to study things out before claiming that I know what I'm talking about. Because that you what you find as you study is that there are so many beliefs. Mm-hmm. And even as you study church history, so many things that you learn from seeing how God has worked in the lives of others throughout their ministries, you just get hungry for real, deep truth. And you're not satisfied with trite answers or error. And and yet at the same time, you want to do so in a way that's not critical of others. Because what happens a lot of times is as you're studying, as you've been given this gift, this stewardship of theological education, not everyone around you has been given that gift or stewardship. So you can begin to hold people at a higher standard than you really should hold them. So as a Bible student, you want to be able to read and study to know God and to do so in a way that actually loves him more by studying the truth. So it's helped me to be able to spot theological error. This Mm -hmm. is the first way I'd say. I'm able to, from the chair or the pew, know when something is not theologically founded or whether it's a throwaway comment. You're able to kind of take that to one side of your brain. Or you just have a question. Oh, let me ask this question. I want to study this this out more. So it helps you become a critical thinker without being a critical individual. Mm-hmm. Critical thinking as opposed to being a critical individual. Second, it gives you a, a curiosity and a means to satisfy that curiosity. So sometimes you'll have a question come to mind. You're like, oh, that's a great question. You have no idea how to find an answer to that besides Googling it. But in this way, you're able to say, I have resources at my disposal. I can study this out. I can figure it out. I can learn more. So it makes you have, you have resources for your curiosity. And third, it helps you be able to answer questions that others ask. That's the, probably the big one is I'll have people come and ask me a question about the Bible or ministry. You're not going to know all the answers to every question. But what you'll find is you'll be able to tell that individual, I don't know the answer to that question right now, but I know exactly where to find the answer to that question. And you're able to go help them by showing them how you came to the conclusion. Makes you well-equipped. Yeah, yeah, to rightly divide the word of truth. And it it protects you from having to put on the airs of someone you're not mm-hmm. because you know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're yeah. able to say, I don't know the answer to that, or this is how I thought about this, but there's flexibility here. You got anything to add on that? You know who's the smartest man in the room? God. Yeah. The one that knows who to call. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. So when it to touch on that, when it comes to scripture, what makes you smart is not not knowing. Maybe your wisdom doesn't come out of knowing everything. Sometimes it's knowing where to go to find it. Mm-hmm. And people will approach you, ask you things you might not know right away, but you can get back to them. And you will get back to them, and you know where to go to find it. Um, just to touch on that, uh, my biggest my biggest wake-up call was the point of authority in my Christian life. Who? What is the authority in my spiritual life? God is my God is my authority. But where does his word come from? Where does he speak to me from? And that's the scripture. So if I am reading and using scripture as my authority, but I don't know much more about it that I could know, um, my authority is going to focus on something else. And for my personal life, a lot of my authority came from sermons. My authority came from family, from elders. My authority came from everywhere but the actual word because of my ignorance of the word. Um, did I read the Bible? Yes, I did read the Bible plenty of times. Never studied it though, right? Mm-hmm. Never fully looked into it. And so I, I thought to myself, if I'm involved in things where I'm, I'm talking about scripture, who's my authority? And I want the authority to be the word of God. And if I have an opportunity to go dive very, very deep into the word of God, learn about it, learn how to read it, how to teach it, how to apply it, how to interpret it, if I can go do that, now my authority will be scripture. That's how God will speak with me, and that's how I can help others basically go the same route. Now, uh, to, to wrap things up, because we're going over an hour, but I wanted to quickly say you don't have to have education to be um, minister. To be a minister, to be to be a good preacher. Nowhere in the Bible, Jesus never says, go and get educated, right? Um, but, you know, and, and, and us coming from the Slavic background, um, our, our grandparents, our great-grandparents, our parents even, they come from a background of persecution, from a background of if you had the Bible at your house, you are in danger. Mm. And so you couldn't go get educated. You couldn't go to a seminary. And so God still worked with every single individual. Mm-hmm. He He... He gave them wisdom from here that they read that maybe me and you have to go to three classes to understand. Yeah. But that's because it was a different time, different position, different situation, but God was still working. So do we have great preachers, great pastors that come out with no education? Yeah, but I guarantee you they spent years studying the word. Their views changed. They started getting convictions on different things. Then they believed this. So uh, they they did their work too, right? And it was different, right? But don't don't let that be like, oh well, if they did it, why do I have to go get an education? I'd rather go be go do something else. So it's really out of your heart. It's really a calling. What's God calling you to do? Do you need it? No. Is it helpful if you can get it? If you think you have the opportunity, absolutely. Hmm. And don't ever look up at somebody or look down on somebody depending on their education. Look at them of what's their authority. How can they interpret scripture? How well do they know it? Do they have the urge to learn with you? That's how you have your relationships with people. Don't ever think that just because somebody's educated, he's the man. Or somebody that's not educated, oh, he doesn't know the Bible. He's just, because God works with every single individual. Yeah. Every yeah. single individual. And just speaking about our parent, our background, you know, us growing up in, you know, the old school Soviet Union back then, uh, Christianity was very limited. 
mm-hmm. in terms of formal education. Mm-hmm. My dad, uh, he's a deacon right now. Uh, he's been a deacon for a long time. Uh, he went to a seminary, I think it was about two years or so, but um, I'm not sure how formal or accredited it was, but it was probably more like a two-year boot camp yeah. of everything that you know we know. But of course, this was back in the 80s. Right. And if, you know, if you just think back back then in the Soviet Union, how much, how limited their access to information was compared to what we have today. Mm-hmm. There was no YouTube, there was no internet, none of that existed, it was just books. And even then, like even some of the manuscripts weren't even all um, known back then, yet alone available for them to access to study right. like we have today over the internet. So even the seminaries that were back then in our countries that we're from was still not like what it is today, though we can definitely see how it, it has definitely helped them in their ministries. Mm-hmm. So um, with the last few minutes that we have, Austin, just give us a little bit of your experience going through seminary, Bible college, and how you knew that that was your thing and what it has done in your life. Yes, that's a great question. Uh, I want to say one thing before I do that that just echoes what you two just said. It's like, please take context into everything that we're saying now. Mm-hmm. We're talking about theological education in the context of the United States and our current ability to be able to go to seminary and learn. From a laptop. Right. So Here. keep that in mind, too. It's like we would want to put no cloak of burden over somebody or make anyone feel that their personal experience of the Lord using them and equipping them is in any sense subservient to what we've been able to experience. Yeah. The Lord knows everything that you need, and everything that you need is ultimately in His Word. So do we want to grow educationally? Yes, we want the life of the mind to grow, 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 understanding that that is something that we offer to God, and it's a gift that He gives. Um, The other thing I was going to say before I answer your question, I have got it in my mind, is you become a book siphon for others. You realize that every question that's asked is, almost always more complicated than a two-sentence response. Mm -hmm. And if someone's really, really hungry to dive into that question, you can give them a book. You'd say, you know what? That's a great conversation. I'm going to talk with you about it. I've also got a book that I can recommend to you. So you become someone who's almost like a walking... Library. Yeah, walking library. And you're able to help people as they're asking questions. Because what most people want when they ask you a question is for you to give them a two, three-sentence answer and they're answers are uh, completely satisfied. That's not how we process things. You could be given the right answer and you go, I still got to think about that. I still got to process what that means. So books are some of the best ways to be able to do that and to walk through an argument with an author and then to hear the different responses so that you, you've become a critical thinker through answering that mm-hmm. question. My personal experience has been different. I didn't go to an undergrad college knowing that I would be involved in ministry. I went to study speech and music education. So I went to be involved in public speaking, debate, acting, theater, uh, choir, music, and teaching. I learned all of those things in the four years, and I've used them in ministry over and over and over again. Well, then, while at college, I was converted. So Mm -hmm. this is pretty much an amazing thing. I went to a Bible college as an unsaved individual. Um, grew up in a Christian home, knew the gospel, all those things, but it wasn't until I was 21 years old that I believe I saw Jesus Christ as treasure. And uh, through seeing him that way and my own need of him, I was converted, and immediately my desires began to change and adjust. I thought at that time that the Lord was going to call me into full-time missions work, so I was preparing to go to the Ivory Coast, West Africa, and I was gung-ho, and the Lord may still end up 
calling me to Africa. I, uh, it's his his mm-hmm. will and his plan for my life. But I wanted to train in order to be able to help help with that ministry. So I took a master's in biblical counseling through an online college while working. And then I took my Master of Divinity uh, through an institution in the seminary while working here at Laurel. I'm currently working on a doctoral degree as well. Um, so that's been my journey. It's just been slow, steady, prayerful, but it's been enjoyable. And I've seen the Lord use it over and over again. And he's affirmed in my life over and over again that he has gifted me to do this and put a desire in my heart to take the things that I'm learning and to give them to others around me without causing them to have to go through everything that I've been through. Mm-hmm. I want people to go get formal education, but I want the people around me to be also be able to get the same resources just by conver- conversations with me and books that I recommend and uh, things that we're able to do together as, as a church family and as, as friends. So that's kind of what I've learned. And I've, I've Are you able it. to share the names of the uh, universities you attended Yeah, or currently attending? Yeah, I went to Pensacola Christian College in Florida for my undergrad. I received my master's and uh, master of divinity from Luther Rice College and Seminary in Lithonia, Georgia, and I'm working on my PhD through Southern Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky. Okay. Um, and you said you, you part some of that was online, right? So, Is that so? With the whole thing with online, I think COVID helped push a lot of that along, along of into you know becoming a reality for a lot of colleges, really, not just seminaries, but just colleges in general. Yeah. Um, is that something you would recommend, doing online education? I would say yes and no. There are pros and cons to it. The pros would be that if you are self-motivated, you can learn a lot on your own in reading and discussions. If the Lord's given you the ability to be in the classroom, that's almost always going to be better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's all. I mean, I would just say that. I'm, I'm a firm believer in the traditional classical model of being in the classroom with the teacher. But my context did not allow that at the time. Mm-hmm. And I learned a lot from the books that I read, the lectures that I watched, the discussion boards that I was able to have. But you do miss that student-peer interaction by being online. Mm-hmm. It's not, you're not going to lose something by getting an online degree, but you won't gain as much as you probably would have by being there in the classroom and making those connections. That's what I missed in my master's level was not being able to have the same peer connection with my classmates. So you would advise, it's safe to say that you would advise, try to find a uh, institution that is close by that you can physically attend first and see if that fits your bill. If not, then do your research. online. Yeah, I would say do your research because I, w- I, would almost, I would almost rather say move to an institution that you trust and conf- is confessionally sound than to go to one down the street that's going to harm you. Mm-hmm. So... And with the online, I'm not. I don't mean to be knocking that. I just want to be honest that you will you will not have the same experience that you would have in the classroom. Mm-hmm. Um, but it it's a beautiful thing that people who are in full time ministry or can't just pick up and go somewhere. Uh, I mean, I love Steve Lo- Stephen Lawson's business pitch about um, going to Master Seminary. He, he likes to say, if if Master Seminary was on the moon, I'd, I'd, I'd go and move to the moon to study there because I just want to be in the best place I possibly can. I get that. Not everyone can go and do that. Mm-hmm. So understand that and also realize that it is, it is fantastic if you can go. There are also some alternative models where you're online for some of the time and then you go to campus for a few days or for a few weeks. That's a great thing, too, if you've got the financial ability to go stay in the area. But mm-hmm. online's a great option. You're going to learn a lot. You'll have a lot of the resources, access to all the books and the videos and the discussions. But if you have the ability to go, uh, consider that as an option, too. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know speaking for myself, going to CPCC and UNCC here locally in Charlotte, uh, it was a definitely a different experience as compared to my last two and a half years that I did finish my bachelor's degree online. Yeah. Um, not in biblical studies, but just read IT stuff. Right. Uh, definitely very different experience and very uh, kick my butt to be time management kind of. And it's very um, humbling and painful experience, but it taught me a lot in terms of that aspect. So it's not for everyone. Um, and I just want to say one last thing. The need for the education is out there. We need pastors. We need ministers. We need assistant pastors. We need the word of God to be taught, to be furthered to generation to generation. And right now, nowadays, everything out there mostly is kind of working against scripture. And so if we don't have, if we don't have people who are prepped and ready to continue uh, teaching it, we are now suffering. Um, but yes, God will always provide somebody forward, right? He will always continue his plan. It's never going to die. Nothing's ever going to change because you decided not to. But the calling and the need is out there more than ever, I think. I think the further we move into time, more than ever, it's out there. So is it a serious question to consider? I would absolutely think so. Um, think about it. Uh, pray about it mostly. And just look at what your heart desires, What your, how, how are you into the Word of God? Do you want to teach it? Is God calling you to do this? See what ministry you're involved with. Um, how are you moving through that ministry? And and slowly but surely, the snowball will start going down, and God will show you. He's not hiding it. Like we said earlier, he's not really hiding anything from you. He'll show you what he wants you to do. You just got to open up to it. Um, that's really the biggest thing. So with that, we'll end up this, uh, we'll end this podcast with a prayer. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the wonderful time you have given us for your word, for your love, for your blessings. Uh, you have brought this topic upon us and let this be an inspiration. Let this be um, kind of an open door to some people considering, thinking about, or some people who might have never thought about it, to, to think about it, to pray about it, to uh, try to go and strive and get an education um, in, in theology and in biblical studies in order to teach your word and preach it to others, Lord, so that we may spread your gospel to others and uh, grow the church. Thank you so much for all that you do, Father, for all your blessings, and um, thank you for this podcast, for everybody involved, for everybody that's listening. In your name we praise. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. We hope God was able to speak to your heart, so now you can go and share it with others. Feel free to leave any questions, prayer requests, or blessings. Join us on Instagram and share our podcast to others. And remember, always keep your heart in Scripture.